Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. chapter 3. If you're ready to read some scripture this morning, say amen. Amen. Alright. Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ (laughs) of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. As the lame man was uh, healed, uh, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? But the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of your fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up 
and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised up from the dead, whereof ye are witnesses. We are witnesses. And his name through faith and his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him the perf- this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But these things which God before hath shown by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Verse 19. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come, from the presence of the Lord. We've just finished uh, studying through the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights, and I believe that we're going to go right into uh, studying the book of Acts. And, you know, the Acts of the Apostles is just, this is just an amazing book. I love looking at the book of Acts like um, the journal of the new church as the church is beginning. And... We know that the Gospels end with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he ascends into heaven. But we know that the book of Acts proves that Christ is still at work here in the world. He is at work now through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Ghost. And the power of the Holy Ghost works, believe it or not, works through us. We are the church. We are those. And Peter and John, they were the early church. And, and God works through us uh, just as he would work through that early church, through the power of the Spirit. And as I, not only am we going to study the book of Acts, but in my daily Bible reading, I'm reading through the book of Acts right now. And when I read this passage the other day, I don't know why. I think it's because I've been studying We've been studying the Gospel of John, and there's a lot in those last couple chapters about Peter and John. And so when I read this, for whatever reason, Acts 3.1, now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. There was just something about it that made me happy. There was something about it that brought joy to me, that Peter and John are still together. That Peter and John are, are still praying together, still walking together, still doing stuff together, even after Christ is gone. You know, as you study uh, the Gospels, you recognize that Peter and John were business partners. They had a commercial fishing business together. The Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, that they were partners in this com- commercial fishing business. And as we see the Gospels, as the Lord works on them, it is very obvious that there is some competition between Peter and John. It, those two. There's some contention between Peter and John. I, I think it's humorous that John, writing his gospel, put it in there that he and Peter 
ran to the tomb, but John made sure we all knew that he outran Peter. Like, I said this the other day when we were studying it, like, just so you know, I'm a little bit better physical condition than Peter. That's what John's saying. You know, I outran him. I'm faster than Peter is. And you can see that throughout the Gospels, kind of a childish, really, a childish competitive spirit between the two of them. Where they're kind of trying to outdo, well, we see it when the Lord receives Peter back into it in, in John chapter 21, into uh, his, his role, tells him to feed the sheep. That, you, know what, you know what Peter felt the need to ask? What, what job do you got for John to do? Like, none of the other disciples, he just wanted to know what God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had for John. What's John's, what's John's you know, responsibility when you're gone. But you know what I find is wonderful? Is that they're together. Yeah. And you know what I believe that the, the power was to bring them together and the fellowship that they had was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. They would have, I believe as you read Peter, about Peter, and you read about John, these are two different type of guys. Two different type of personalities. Two different type of people. But yet, they're walking together through the streets of Jerusalem, going up to the temple to pray. I, I don't know why, but I like that, that there is some unity in the, in the, you know what is wonderful? And I believe it's wonderful for us to see, it'll, it's good for us to see, it's good for the world to see, is the love that we have for each other in the body of Christ. The unity that we have for each other in the body of Christ. The Bible says in Psalms, Chapter 133 and verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Do you know what I think it will take for, even though it's a small group, it doesn't take a lot of people to then start to bring up contention, does it? You don't have to have a huge group. Where, you, know what, you know what it takes to have unity, I believe? I think the Holy Spirit, a little bit of humility goes a long way in, in bringing the unity and being able to dwell together in unity. Here they are, they're walking together. Peter and John. The Bible says uh, in Amos 3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed. Again, they're very different men, but you know what they agreed on? They agreed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. They agreed that he had commissioned them to preach the good news. They had the Holy Spirit. Not only were they walking together, but they were praying together. That's good, isn't it? That they're coming together, they're walking together to go pray. I think that's important that we pray together in the body of Christ. That we're able to pray with each other. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's a promise. That when we gather together in the name of the Lord, that He'll meet with us. And so, because of that promise, you know what I believe? The Lord's with us now. We've asked for Him to meet with us. We've asked for Him to speak to us. We've asked for Him to come together with us. And I believe that the Lord hears that. Not only were they walking together, praying together, they're serving together. They're serving the Lord together. You know what eventually happens? They begin to get persecuted together. You know... As you read this miracle of this lame man who from his mother's womb had been lame. We find in, in the next chapter, I think it says for 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. He was 40 years old. 
Lame for 40 years. Wouldn't you think that that's something that everybody could be happy about? I mean, wouldn't you think that that's something that everybody could be like, well, good for him. You know, this is a good day for him, right? But not everybody was happy about this. Strangely enough, not everyone was happy about this miracle. We find in chapter, chapter 4, in verse 1, the Bible says this. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being what? Grieved that they taught the people and preached through the name of Uh, through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. But look at verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. You know what I find interesting? Is not everybody was happy. They get arrested together, right? But there was a huge amount of people that, and I, I, I thought this was interesting. It doesn't say that they saw the miracle and believed, but they heard the word and believed. Now, God uses miracles. Don't misunderstand me. But it's the word that saves. It's the gospel, the preaching of the name of Jesus Christ that saves from sin. So they bring them in after holding them for a day in prison and they, they, they interrogate them. They try to get them to, to, to uh, say that they won't preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore in verse 10 of chapter 4. Well, boy, they're all good. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, I wanted to make that point. That Peter, the one that denied Jesus Christ, The one that standing there at the fire said, I never knew him. Now is so bold, willing to go to jail, willing to be beaten, willing to stand in front of the high priest that had caused Christ to be crucified, and willing to be bold. You say, what was the difference? The Holy Spirit's filling. The Holy Spirit's filling. You know, the result of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life is a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The result of the Holy Spirit's filling in an individual's life is a bold witness for the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, wow, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. He's talking about the stone, Jesus Christ. Which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there any Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among them whereby we must be saved. He said, why would we quit preaching about Jesus? There's no other way to eternal life. There's no other way for people to be forgiven of their sins. 
There's no other way for folks to be saved. So why would we quit? Why would we quit preaching this good news of Jesus Christ? So they, they, uh, they ask him again um, to quit preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. If you continue to read down through here in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with what? Boldness. Filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Look at verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 40. They bring him in and they're still interrogating him. Verse 40. And to him they agreed, chapter 5, verse 40. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, and beaten them, They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. What? They just got beaten. Complaining, calling their lawyer. No, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Wow, this is why I like the book of Acts. There's a lot of power here. Would you agree with that? You say, where's the power? Where's the power at? The name of Jesus Christ. That's where the power is at, is in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, where's the power of the church? Where's the power? Nice buildings, nice this, nice that. The power of the church today is the same as it was 2,000 years ago when Peter and John were walking the streets of Jerusalem. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. They were a bold witness. You, you know, they just got beaten. They just, Peter, and Je, Peter and John got beaten. And they walk away saying, man, this is better than fishing. That's what they were rejoicing. They weren't saying, oh, we made a mistake. Right? No, they said, this is good. This is better than our old life. Remember our best day in business? I think John said to Peter, Peter, remember our best day in business? Peter said, yeah, that was our last day. We, got we caught 153 big ones and then quit, right? He said, this is better than that. This is better than that. The beating that we just took for the name of Jesus Christ. You know what I find is that there is some, there is some camaraderie in, in persecution. What I'm saying is you can go through some good things together and that can bring you close. But boy, you go through some tough stuff together. You go through some hard things together. You know, there is just a closeness. Like they call them battle buddies. There's a closeness with those that have gone through some troubles together. That have gone through some persecutions together. And here I see Peter and John. You know, all the childish, foolish stuff was starting to just go away. Of who's better, who's more important, who's got the better job. When they're getting beat by the council... You know what they're thinking? This is just good to be able to serve Jesus Christ. To be able to walk and talk and tell others the good news. And not quit preaching Jesus Christ. So you see the unity. You know, I think that if there's going to be power in the church in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, there needs to be some unity. We need to be able to walk and talk and pray together. Be able to go through some tough things together. But not just that. Now let's look at the lame. Beggar. 
Can you picture this? I tried to look up some different pictures of maybe what it would look like this past week. This, you know, this great gate outside of this magnificent, beautiful temple, you know? I mean, it was really neat there. Beautiful backdrop. But just outside the gate, there's a terrible situation. Just outside the just outside the gate, there's pain and suffering, no hope, no answers. This lame man had been just brought daily, daily for 40 years with no hope. Just, you know, the best thing that could happen to him is that somebody could, you know, have some compassion on him, give him a little money. That's the best he could hope for, just to get through that day, just to buy what he needed for that day. He expected To just receive a little something. Just to get by. You know, it never crossed this guy's mind that someone could give him his his legs back. You know, that he could get up and walk away. I mean, the best he could hope for was just a little bit to get by. He never dreamed. You know, he wasn't sitting there asking people to raise him up. Never even thought that's how good it could get. And again, I I want us to kind of go back into the picture here. That Peter and John, this is the early church. And so this is how the world saw Peter and John. They're walking into the temple and this man asks, hey, can I get a little money? Can I get a little silver? Can I get a little gold? Can I get a little bit of charity? Can I get a little bit of good deeds? Right? Can I get a little bit of money? And I know, let me just preface this with saying, I know that Christ called us to be compassionate. I know that. I know that Christ called us to, to help those that are needy. And there's a blessing for it. I know that God's told us to help the poor. I know all that. But can I say this? That if that's all we do, we're weak as a church. If the best we can do is just hand out a little bit of money to those in need, we're no different than any other foundation, any other organization that just helps. We have something more than silver and gold that nobody else has. There's a lot of other good people that can give out money and things like that. But we have something that is more. More than a little bit of money to help somebody get by. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, I think it's wonderful. I think giving and helping and feeding and doing these things are a means to preach the gospel. I think they're good. I think Christ did. We, he, he is an example to us of how he did it. But if that's all we have, what I'm trying to say is if the world looks at the church as saying that we're just, a, that we're just an organization that's going to hand out goodies, then we're nothing. We're, there's, no, there's no eternal impact there. We have something more than just that. Something more than just giving a little bit. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can give away. The gospel gives life. It makes people whole. It gives eternal life. For anyone who trusts in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they get sealed with the Holy Ghost till the day of redemption. I mean, this is more than silver and gold can buy. That's my point. Then we got to go back to thinking, hey, the church is more than just trying to do good deeds. We got the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are the bearers of. We are, that's our responsibility. Nobody else is going to do that. That's the church. That's us. And so how does the world look at us? Are we just a, an organization that, that can give away? You know, that's what Peter said. He goes, there is, in Acts 4, 12, 
Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby ye must be saved. You know, my example of this is Paul the Apostle. As you read the book of Acts, each time he goes into one of these Gentile cities, you know, what does he do? What does he do? He preaches the gospel. That's how churches are started. Churches aren't started by giving giveaways and stuff like that. Churches are built on. If they're going to have a true foundation, they're built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. That's what Paul did. He didn't offer anything. He went in and preached Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. This is what we have as the church. That's what the power is at. Peter, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Peter says, look at us. Man, I guarantee when when he says, look at us, the man thought, I'm going to get something from these guys, right? He got excited. And he says, silver and gold have I none. (laughs) And if you just, you know, the guy's probably like, well, then why am I looking at you? You know, like, what do you got for me? Come on. Silver and gold have I not. You know what I find is interesting? I'm getting ahead of myself. But silver and gold have I not. I am getting ahead of myself. But you know what a lot of times the church thinks? Is if we just had enough money, we could build a church. The church wasn't built on silver and gold. Peter and John didn't even have any. And thousands were saved. You get my point? They didn't, the power is not in the, in the silver and the gold. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're raising money today to, to build a church. But we know that that church isn't built with pesos. The, the church is built with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how We can build buildings all over the place. And they're just empty, dead. If they don't have the gospel in them. If they don't have the preaching of Jesus Christ in them. There's nothing there. They're just buildings. Empty shelves. They said, silver and gold have I none. You know what? What if they did have some silver and gold and just gave it to them? It wouldn't have made the book of Acts, would it? I mean, what if that is the story? The guy, they were going to the temple to pray. guy says silver and gold and they gave him some coins. That's pretty weak, right? No. They said, we got something better than that, right? We have something better than that, better than just a little bit of financial assistance. We have the gospel that brings eternal life. So you see, the church is not just a place that gives out the financial goods to folks. But can I even take it one step worse? How does the world see the church? I'm asking. How does the world see the church? Does the church does the world see the church as a place that just gives out, you know, some charities and financial help? But let me just say this: there's a lot of people in the world today that see the church as the beggar, and for good reason. That we're the the church is the beggar, saying, "Hey, give us financial help." How weak! Hey, give us, hey, come on into the temple. Give us your silver and gold. That's not what we need. We need Jesus Christ. We need the gospel of Christ. 
And I think that, that the world sees some of the church as the beggar because that's what, how we live. Thinking if, if the church just had more money, if the church just had this or just had that, then we'd be okay. We could have all the money in the world and be dead in trespasses and sins. It's not money that the church needs. It's Jesus Christ. You know, I need some help. No, what we need is to work. That's what Jesus said. Work to provide for our own needs and to help those others. That's what Christians are supposed to do. Not give me, give me, give me. No, let me give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about the money. Amen. That's the truth. the, The church will be weak if we're making about those things. Ineffective. You say, well, you can draw big crowds. Yeah, if you give money away, you can draw big crowds. But it's not built on the right foundation. The preaching and the powerful name of Jesus Christ is where there's, there's effectiveness. That's where the church has grown. That's where, there's, that's where it works. Again, Peter and John had no money, yet they saw thousands saved. Thousands saved. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beggar thought that money would fix his problems. But it was in the name of Jesus Christ that he found real, real help, real solution. He was made, the, again, Peter, Peter said, he was made perfectly sound. He was made whole. I got to thinking about that. You know, this guy was, it wasn't just a, a little miracle where his legs got better. The guy had never walked. And yet he's walking and leaping. Meaning he learned to walk. That's also another miracle. He never walked before. And the guy was made perfectly whole. Perfectly sound. This is amazing. And everybody looking at Peter and John. Like wow you guys are powerful. Peter says in in Acts 3.12. It's not by our power or our holiness. That this was done. Made this guy walk. But it is by the name of Jesus Christ. Look at this guy in Acts. We've already read it. Acts 3.8. Where he goes in. He's leaping. And entering in and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew. The people knew. Verse 10. That it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At that which had happened unto him. You talk about raising the roof, right? This guy was in there. He was praising God. He was excited. He was having himself a time. Why? Because he was made totally whole. I believe that the people said, as they looked at him, they said, we recognize you, but there's just something different, right? There's just something different about you. You seem to have a little spring in your step, right? There's just something different about you. What is it? Something that silver and gold can't buy. Something that the Lord, only the Lord could give. Can I say this? The Lord still today offers the same salvation that changes men, women, children's hearts and lives. This salvation is still today. And this is our commission. Still today. I don't think any of it's changed. The commission of the church today is the same. To preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And so where's the power at? Where's the power at? The power of the church is that we walk together in unity. 
that we preach the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. There's no other source of power outside of that. That's where the power is at. In the name of Christ. It's simple. But it's the hope of the world. It's the hope for all who are dead in trespasses and sins. Doesn't matter who it is. Man, woman, child, rich, poor. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The hope is in the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what I find is interesting here? As we're getting close to the end. Is the long suffering of God toward us. The long suffering of God toward us. You know what Peter's saying to the high priest Caiaphas and all of his family? He's pointing his finger right at him and says, You crucified the holy and just one. And at the end of it, you know what he says? Repent and be converted. I mean, you know, it's one thing to think that God is gracious toward sinners. But that God is gracious to the very wicked ones that crucified him? He was offering him one more chance. He sent him the Holy Ghost. They rejected the Father. They rejected the Son. You know what he said? I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance. After he cru- they, the, the individuals that crucified him, Peter preaches the grace of God. You say, repent, repent. You know, people think of that type of preaching these days as hard. That's about the most gracious preaching you'll ever hear, is repent. The fact that you can repent is grace of God. Is the long-suffering of God that you can repent of your sins is not hard preaching. That's gracious, loving, kind. That's what Peter was saying. You crucified, you murdered the innocent man. But that God is willing to still save you. Wow, what grace, what long-suffering, what kindness. He says, repent and be converted. This repenting is not just feeling bad for the things that we've done. It's not just feeling bad for our sins, but turning from it. Turning from our sins. Turning from our self-righteousness. Turning from that and to Jesus Christ as our Savior. Having a changed mind and a changed heart toward the blood of Jesus Christ that paid for our sins. There's a definition that I like when I think of repentance found in the Thessalonians. We won't go there, but it's, it's in the first chapter where Paul, talking to them at Thessalonica, he says that they were a testimony. How that ye turned to God from idols to serve the living God. I think that's a good definition of repentance. You turn from idols to God. Turn from anything that we're trusting in. Turn from anything that we're believing. Turn from anything that we're, you know, my religion, my good works, my this, my that. And turning to the one true God. It's the only way. That's what Paul preached. Paul preached it too. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, he said, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if God was long-suffering to the high priest Caiaphas and all of his family that 
falsely accused him and pressed Pilate to have him crucified, then he is long-suffering toward you. Today. Would you today repent and be converted? Would you today, if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you today say, I'm not trusting in anything else but in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and His work on Calvary, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. In just a moment, I'll give you that chance to pray and ask the Lord to receive Him as your Lord and Savior and that you can know that you have eternal life today. You know, the book of Acts is an action book. It's an action book. And I think that we as the church have to make some decisions. That we have to take some action. That we have to move forward. It's not, it's, it's not the book of the good intentions of the apostles. Right? The niceness of that. No, it's the acts of the apostles. You know what moved the apostles? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost moved the apostles. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning like the beggar, thinking that just some, some little bit of worldly goods will make your life better. Some little bit of worldly goods would take away the pain just long enough to get through another day, through another week, through another month, through another year. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He can change your whole life. He could change your whole life. Trust Him today. His name has power to save. For us, the church, for us as believers, we're the, we're the ones that are called to this great commission. You may be here this morning and you say, I'm, I know I'm a believer. I know I'm a Christian. But I'm, I'm ineffective. You know? I'm one of those believers that's like, Maybe just trying to give out a little bit, throw a little, throwing money at the problem. Not preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Or even worse, I'm asking for it. Right? No. We have something that's greater, that's powerful. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves. And we can make a decision to say, Lord, put me to work. I'd love to, I'd love to tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ. I think if you're willing... The Lord will give you open doors to start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Maybe it's the unity. Maybe God's calling you to humble yourself and be in unity with the other brothers, walking in the light, praying, maybe going through some hard persecutions with others that will actually draw us closer together. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what saves the world doesn't need silver and gold. It needs Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to offer. We can preach salvation in the name which is above every name. We can do it with great grace, but also with great boldness. Maybe you'd say, I know that I want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe that's you today. Would you do it? Would you pray this prayer? Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to save my soul. I'm repenting of all that I've trusted in and all that I've believed in and all that I am. And God, I'm asking you to save me, to forgive me, and to be my Savior and my God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
you got to let others know. you got to let others know. you got to say, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is, by the way. One of the things that we're going to be doing next Sunday is people go down into the water. You know what they're saying publicly? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.